Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling news stories along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of Episode 4, Chapter 4 of Insomnia. At the beginning of this episode, Parker is in a near accident uh, with a new character, Megan. He spends the night in her dreams, and he sees that they're very different from any other dreams he's been in previously. Megan's dreams are beautiful, but the primary thing that's different is that he realizes that her dreams have only one layer. He's never seen that before. Most dreams consist of multiple layers that vibrate against each other, causing him to stay awake. At least that's what he thinks, so this is brand new. We left off with Parker deciding that even though he was afraid to hope, he was going to try to sleep in Megan's dreams. And that's your recap of Episode 4, Chapter 4 of Insomnia. Insomnia, The Nightwalkers. Written by J.R. Johansson. Narrated by Roy Samuelson. Five. Waking up after a night in Megan's dreams, no, of actual sleep and my own dreams, was an incredible thing. I tried to hold on to pieces of the experience, the strange images floating through my own fragmented dreams. Finn had been there, and I think Addie and my parents. We were by an ocean. I wanted to tuck every detail away somewhere safe where no one could ever take them away from me again. It'd been so long since my brain had slept that I couldn't remember any of my dreams from before I became a watcher. Now, I knew what I had been missing. Every part of my body felt rested and alive instead of dragging with the exhaustion I'd become accustomed to. I didn't understand it, but Megan had somehow made this possible. I lay on my bed, reveling in the refreshed feeling and dreamy oblivion. Sleeping was good. I loved sleep. Best thing ever. Stretched out against my dark blue sheets, I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to ever move again. It was nearly impossible to think about doing anything except going back to sleep. Thud, thud, thud. Parker! Mom's shout shattered my happy haze like a bazooka. Your alarm went off 30 minutes ago. You up yet? I bolted out of bed, fully alert for the first time in months. Probably years. I'm up. A small grin crept across my face. I had slept through my alarm? How normal. Tugging a gray long sleeve shirt and jeans out of the closet... I was through the door, past my mom, and into the shower in under a minute. I would be late for school, but the sudden urgency that filled me had nothing to do with that. It was Megan. I had to find her and make eye contact again. I had to find out if all her dreams were like the one last night. My brain whirred as it sorted the information. Her approximate age, where I had seen her, what direction she was heading in, and why. She didn't seem older than me, but I knew I'd never seen her before. 
That meant she could be new in town. She was old enough to drive, so chances were 50-50 she'd be attending my high school. I would find her. Doubt flooded me as I stepped out of the shower. I forced aside nagging thoughts that maybe it wouldn't be that easy. Maybe she was only passing through town. Maybe I'd never see her again. No matter what it took, though, I had to find her. I had to get answers. Why could I sleep in her dream? Could I do it again? For a moment, the whirring in my mind stopped and my stomach clenched. What was I planning to do? Hunt her down? Force her to make eye contact with me? It felt wrong. But something else inside me spoke. Something deep-rooted and instinctual. This was a possible means of survival. It could mean a real life for me. I had to find out. But I'd need to be careful. I ran through the front doors of Oakville High School. Fifteen minutes late wasn't too bad. Everything seemed oddly hushed, though. I peered in the classrooms as I jogged down the hall, but they were all empty. By the time I got to my locker, I wondered if it was some kind of holiday I'd forgotten about. My heart pounded, and I racked my brain for what holiday it could possibly be. It was Monday, the first week of October. Why would there be no school? I closed my locker and turned around, leaning against it to think. A mirror lined the back of the trophy case on the opposite wall, but my reflection looked nothing like me. There was color in my cheeks I hadn't seen in a year or more. My dark hair glistened. I looked almost healthy. An eruption of laughter floated down the stairs at the end of the hall, and I headed toward the sound. Then I smacked myself in the forehead. Of course, the assembly I had completely forgotten. Pure genius. All sports assemblies were the same at OHS. Technically, this was a football assembly, since soccer season was still a ways off, but I knew that, like always, it would somehow turn back to soccer. Soccer was like a religion for Oakville High students. No matter what group you hung with, no matter who your family was, no matter what else happened throughout the school year, we were all unified about soccer. This actually might work out pretty well, I realized. The entire student body would be there, and it would be easier to find Megan when everyone was in one place. I pushed open the doors to the auditorium. The smell of dust mixed with a hundred different kinds of cologne, perfume, and deodorant assaulted my senses. It took a moment for my eyes to adjust to the dimness of the room. There were three seniors on stage doing some kind of skit. I saw Finn motion to me from a few rows up. Thanks, I whispered as I took the seat next to him. I glanced around, trying to spot Megan in the crowd. Finn watched me for a minute before raising his eyebrows. Who are you looking for? Me? Nobody. I dismissed him with a wave as I craned my neck and squinted, trying to make out the features of a dark-haired girl a few rows behind us. My heart dropped to my feet with a nearly audible thud. It was Penny Charles, not Megan. We had been partners on an astronomy project in junior high. Penny dreams an awful lot about fishing. Yeah, obviously... Nobody. Finn laughed and turned his attention back to the stage. He let out a low whistle. Wow, check that out. Uh-huh, I said, 
without even a glance forward. It had to be one of the many cute girls that Finn was into, and I wasn't. In junior high, every girl I had found interesting ended up having dreams about us getting married, even having kids. I hate watching myself in other people's dreams. No one should have to do that. It's like being possessed and having an out-of-body experience at the same time. What made it worse was my fear that the dreams were a lie, that I'd never live long enough to have any kind of future, regardless of what it looked like. It was enough to cure me of any attraction I felt for the girls at school. Yet, here I was, pulling a stupid neck muscle trying to spot one at the assembly. And she wasn't even here. I sighed and slouched back in my chair. The idea that I'd never see Megan again, never feel so rested again, was like a dump truck driving onto my chest and then parking there. Everything felt so tight around me that my vision swam, and it scared me. I needed to chill out. It was just one night, and it had probably been a fluke anyway. Come back to reality, Parker. The stage was full of bouncing cheerleaders. Their swirling, colorful skirts made my head hurt. Jeff Sparks grinned and walked across the stage as they cheered. Leading the pep assembly seemed to be Jeff's favorite part of being senior class president. It didn't hurt that it meant he could throw in at least one mention of soccer, whatever sport the pep rally was actually for. Scattered around the stage, behind Jeff, stood more than half the jocks at school. I was probably supposed to be up there, Finn too for that matter, but he was a slacker and I didn't care enough at the moment. I watched Jeff, trying to distract myself from the misery that clung to my bones even after I could finally breathe normally again. He was perfectly at home up there in front of the entire school, smiling, his arms spread wide. I thought it was a little over the top, but he always said he liked putting on a good show. Logandale isn't even going to see our football team coming. The Oakville Boulders are going to pulverize them and head to regionals. Jeff nodded and pumped a fist in the air. Then we can shift our focus to my personal favorite sport, soccer. He winked at the audience. I have a feeling we'll have our best season yet this spring. A cheer rose from the crowd, and a couple cheerleaders on stage jumped up and down with their pom-poms. Jeff was certainly entertaining everyone else, but not me. I wanted to go home. I sat forward, rubbing my shaking hands against my thighs to try to still a tremor. I felt better than usual, for sure, but one night of sleep wasn't enough to change my future. Now, it wouldn't be fair for me to take all this support and attention for myself. I may be senior class president, but our soccer team has two captains. And since I have some good soccer news to share... Don't you think Parker Chip should be up here to share it with me? Next to me, Finn laughed and elbowed me in the side. I blinked at him for a minute before what Jeff said sank in. I shrunk down in my seat, hoping no one would see me. I couldn't take being the center of attention. Please, not right now. The chanting started soft and got louder. Parker, Parker, Parker! It wasn't until people shoved me from the back that I finally got up, waved at everyone, and sat back down. Ah, come on, Parker, don't be shy. Come up here. I growled under my breath, but then stood and walked up to the stage. 
I spotted Addie as I went and mouthed the words, Help me. She giggled and rolled her eyes as the cheerleaders rushed down the stairs and pulled me up next to Jeff. In one last futile attempt, I threw a quick glance through the crowd for Megan again, but couldn't see much. The lights were too bright, too hot, too uncomfortable. Jeff slapped my back and grinned. He leaned over and spoke quietly in my ear. Thanks, man. I know you aren't an attention hound, but we gotta get everybody pumped, you know? No problem. I shrugged and stuck my hands in the pockets of my letterman jacket. Jeff turned back to the audience. Next Friday, the athletics department is sponsoring a bonfire rally out on Rush Beach. Everyone is invited to come and support our teams. Bring whatever you want to roast on the fire. As long as it isn't the Logandale quarterback. We don't need any extra help to beat them. A roar of laughter and applause filled the auditorium. I let out a small laugh, too. One of the cheerleaders, Anna Connors, caught my attention with a little wave. I turned to face her, and she winked and beamed at me. Her long blonde hair floated around her, hugging her curves. I waved back, trying to suppress a shudder. She was crazy hot, no doubt about it. But I still couldn't look at her without remembering a dream she had had in junior high about French kissing her cat. I knew it was probably just a random, bizarre dream, but it had cured me of any interest immediately. It was one of those unfortunate images that sticks with you. Jeff took a step forward and continued. As for the soccer news, I'm here to give you my personal assurance that the soccer season won't end only with my team-winning state. The auditorium quieted down and murmurs circulated. The girls' team is going to go all the way, too. Jeff nodded into the silence that followed. Everyone knew the girls' soccer team struggled. They rarely even made it to regionals, let alone to state. Like every other student in the auditorium, I watched Jeff, waiting for him to continue. What was he talking about? We have a secret weapon this year, and I'm happy to introduce her to you, he announced. She's new, she's got amazing footwork, and I'm happy to say that even I have a hard time stealing the ball from her. He grinned at the crowd. I could still do it, of course, but it's not easy. He paused for dramatic effect. Oakville's new star soccer player, Mia Green. Swinging one arm toward the cluster of people at the back of the stage, Jeff beckoned her forward. I didn't even turn around to look, still trying to find a way to slip off the stage without anyone noticing. If Megan wasn't at the assembly, I wanted to either go home or drive to Logandale High and look around. Then I realized that everyone else was craning their necks to look past me, so I stepped to one side and followed their gazes. After only a moment's hesitation, the same little brunette I had nearly killed with my car walked out from behind the football team. She raised one eyebrow at me as she passed and took her place beside Jeff. Megan, no, Mia, the girl who dreams of not painting. Why had she told me her name was Megan? Then again, random teenage boy who looks like he's on drugs almost hits you with his car. I guess I could see the reasoning. I gave my head a quick shake. Who cared why? 
My heart almost burst from my chest. She went to my school. I tried to wipe the grin from my face, but it didn't work. And I didn't care. It wasn't until she was standing at the front of the stage that I noticed the clenched fists behind her back and that in spite of the small smile on her face, she looked angry. I grimaced. Apparently, she hadn't gotten over the near accident yet. Jeff moved to block Mia from my view and raised his eyebrows at me for a second. I realized I was staring with my mouth hanging partially open. I shut it with a click, and he gestured for me to come closer. Once I got to his side, he turned back to the crowd, throwing one arm around me and the other around Mia. This year, Boulders, we are unstoppable. Our football team will beat Logandale. Then we'll take state and girls and boys soccer. And we want to see everyone at the rally next Friday. The crowd yelled, Boulders, Boulders, Boulders. Then the burgundy curtain swung across the front of the stage, cutting us off from the burning lights and the chanting crowd. Jeff dropped his arm from around our shoulders and guided Mia a few steps to the right, smiling and asking what she thought of the assembly. I couldn't make out her response with the chattering of everyone else on the stage. But it didn't matter. My brain was still processing so fast, I couldn't have focused on her words much anyway. I swallowed. She was here. My hands stopped shaking, and a warm gush of relief flowed through my chest, down my arms, and out through my fingertips. The only person who might be able to keep me alive was here standing five feet away from me. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, season one, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to Authorly Insights on Chapter 5. What's it like to have hope after accepting that there is none? It's like the first warm ray of sunshine on your face after a long, cold winter. But... Just like any other emotion, it has the possibility of overwhelming you and taking control. The panic that Parker feels at the idea that he could have already lost the small bit of hope that he has just found in Mia's dreams is a powerful emotion. I've always found it so interesting that people who are in dark places or struggling often tend to fear hope because if they gain some and it ends up being false, it can hurt worse than before. Hope can be a beautiful and pure thing, but it can also have its own brand of pain attached in certain circumstances as well. In some ways, that kind of hope can be more cruel than hopelessness could ever be. And as an author, I really think that's worth exploring. Despite knowing this, Humanity will time and time again search for hope in hopeless places. It is in our nature to look for it. It helps us survive. And I find that really fascinating. What do you think is worse? Hopelessness or hope in a hopeless place? Send me a message. Tell me what you think. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at JR Johansson. I'm curious. I want to know your thoughts. 
That's it for Authorly Insights on Chapter 5. Thank you for listening, and as always, please let us know what you think of the podcast by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We will see you next episode. Bye! Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.